Good day, my Nubian gods and goddesses. This is T.B. Wahid in the living room, Black Living Room Talk. I'm back again for the second half of the introduction to the racist mind by Raphael S. Ezekiel, in which I am reading. I left off saying that we are getting into the subject of fear. Fear is at the center of these groups. Fear and a sense of isolation. Belonging to the group affords comradeship within struggle. The mythical white race is the larger family for which these spiritual orphans long. Confrontation is a prime activity of the organized groups. Demonstrations provoke counter-demonstrations. People with a deep inner sense that they may not be real, that they are already shriveled, are reassured by the hostility of counter-demonstrators that they are alive. Provocative symbols, the swastika, the red flag, the shaved head and shiny boots, ensure the necessary feedback. The movement today feels itself a defense organization. White rule in America has ended, members feel. A new world they do not like has pushed aside the traditional one they think they remember. In the old world, the only significant people were white. Men struggled as individuals to build a life for their families. Good men and dutiful women lived peacefully. Somewhere in the background were others. Somewhere in the background were others. Today, they feel those others have taken control. The government and high society fawn over the blacks. Fawn. Blacks are given special privileges and special access to work. Blacks breed recklessly and fill the cities with unloved and illegitimate progeny. Blacks have no field for honest work. Blacks rob or live off welfare. Blacks live on drugs. Excuse me, my comment. So, this is taking us into the mind of the racist telling you telling us exactly what they say, what they feel, what they think. Let me go on. Blacks live on drugs. The inner city is the best that the black has constructed in America and shows his character. A conspiracy of wily Jews and their gold-crazed race traitor white flunkies has taken control of the churches 
the media, the schools, the government, and the corporations. My comment. This is about the Jews now. Uh, the so-called Jews. Preaching hypocritical cant about racial equality, they have stripped whites of their rights and are attempting to destroy the white race through forced sexual mingling. All this to ensure Jewish rule. Jewish pornographers debase white moral fiber. Jewish educators attack white pride. Jewish television peddles homosexuality as normalcy. The only good thing that has happened has been the advent of AIDS. Praise God for AIDS. The white racists cry out at their rallies. Praise God for AIDS, the white racists cry out at their rallies. For several decades, the major energizing element in the movement has been the theology of Christian identity. This religion teaches that the whites are the only true children of God, a being who is white. Identity teaches that the whites are the people described in the Old Testament as Israelites. Hmm? Moses, the great leader of these first Aryans, led them from Egypt to Canaan, where they conquered and ruled. Dispersed first by the Assyrians and then by the Romans, the Aryans migrated north through the Caucasus, acquiring the name Caucasian. And westward into northern Europe, the, the tribe of Judah became Germany. The tribe of Dan became Denmark and so forth. Ultimately, the white God ingathered his people to the United States and Canada, where they are to draw strength and fulfill their destiny to rule the world. Identity preachers that Identity preaches that only whites have been created by God. Only whites are human. The people of color, known as the mud races, have arisen through the mating of humans with animals. Jews are the children of Satan, born from the coupling of Eve with the serpent, Satan. The children of God will struggle with the children of Satan until one or the other has been destroyed. Most groups in the militant movements are involved by now in Christian identity, and its key concepts reach far. The non-humanity of non-whites is an old belief among whites, of course, as is the animal-like nature of Africans and the diabolical nature of Jews. The imagery employed and the movement is indeed ancient. The black is depicted repeatedly as the ape, an image that appears in the first European contacts with West Africa before Columbus. And again and again we hear of the Jew as the serpent or the spider, the hidden cunning force, images current since the Middle Ages. The white is the warrior, a single beleaguered figure, a straight young man or a bewhiskered Nordic berserker laying about himself with some sharp pointed phallic object such as a sword or a spear plunging it into a dragon or a serpent decorated with Jewish stars and communist hammer and sickle. The movement, at least the visible uniformed 
militant organizations is almost entirely male. All leaders and most members are men. A few women are around, never as speakers or leaders. Usually they are wives who cook and listen. Highly traditional ideas of sex roles and fears of losing male dominance fill the conversation and the speeches. Recurrent images have a feeling tone frequent in exclusivist male assemblies. An underlying voice seems to say, Sure, you are a man. You don't have to be so worried about it. There is talk of order, of strength. The seductive burrowing enemy is not in your insides, but out there in society. We can still achieve purity. We can fend off contamination. These psychic undercurrents are expressed in macho images that may well be repellent to women. It is even possible, of course, that the fundamental activity is repellent. Women have probably been socialized and are perhaps predisposed to value harmony and the building of relationships. This would make them less at home than men at dwelling on the distinctions between people rather than the commonalities and less prepared to assume that hostility is the basic language between people. In time, the movement may become less exclusively male. In a latter chapter, I describe a pioneering moment in that process when women claim the chance for the first time to participate. At the till end and with grudging toleration and a central ritual of the Aryan Nations group, young women seem to play a more active role in the skinhead youth gangs than in the traditional clan. I'm going to end right there. This is the second part to the introduction of The Racist Mind. I'll be back in just a minute with the third half of the introduction to The Racist Mind by Raphael S. Ezekiel.